Well, this morning, um, all grace for all things. <laughs> all grace for all things. You know, whenever we are looking at our life and looking at perhaps our level of need or our level of problems or difficulties, we are declaring that God is capable of meeting every need. God is capable of working in our hearts and lives. And he has given us his word to help us grow and understand, to become stable, you know, the rock that which you stand upon. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. All of the things that stabilize or speak to us of being stable in our life, building a house upon the rock and upon the sand. So, I mean, all these different things convey to us the, the security we have in knowing Jesus is our Savior. Well, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power has given to us everything we need for a godly life. Now, if you were to make a list of everything you need, <laughs> how big would that list be? <laughs> Now, some of us, and I say us, don't know the difference between what we need and what we want. <laughs> but there are, there are different levels of understanding different levels of need. Now, um, if you have perhaps studied uh, Maslow, Maslow was in 1943, he was the son of a Jewish immigrant to America. He published a famous diagram that's, that talks to us about the hierarchy of human need. The hierarchy of human need. So what he did was, he put together a triangle, pyramid, of, of human need. Now what he starts with is that we have to have the uh, physiological basic needs, which is, you know, home, water, food, safety, no, not even safety, home, water, food, being warm, cold, you know, when it's freezing out, zero, things like that, that you're, that you're warm. Now, uh, this goes along with what we said about David going, my, our son is going to um, Nicaragua. No, El, he's in El Salvador. Guatemala, there we go. He's over all three, anyhow. <laughs> and now in, in helping people in the rural communities, and what I mean by rural, by rural is, there's no road, there's a dirt road maybe back into it, and maybe one or two people in that community have a, have a vehicle. So the rest are all on foot. But he, I, I, I was with him in one of his uh, uh, places. He was taking us back to a rural community. And we stopped to see one of his housing projects that they had done. And what they've done is an earthquake-proof home, in a sense. In, in El Salvador, they make the walls out of um, bricks, mud bricks. And then they put a you know, roof on them, and the roof is those terracotta tile, those very heavy tile. So in a rainstorm, in an earth, well, in an earthquake, what happens is <laughs> the, the roof shakes, the walls crumble, and the roof falls in on the people, and it kills them. <laughs> so in this one place we visited, there was this couple, and they were an older couple, and they had built them a home. And the home was basically two rooms, and it was probably maybe as, not even as wide as, maybe as wide as the pew here, maybe back about three or four pews. And there were two rooms. One was, one was a bedroom and one was kind of a makeshift 
living room and outside was their kitchen. But until they built that, whenever one of the hurricanes came through, totally destroyed their house and for years they had been living in the corner of the structure of their house that was left and there were a couple of pieces of tin over top of that end of the house, that corner that they were living in and that was their house. They lived there. <laughs> you know, 24-7, that was their house. This little corner with tin on it. So whenever Maslow is talking about his level of need, we find that it's hard to teach people about Jesus whenever you don't know if you're going to eat. Or you're not going to have your next drink of water. So it's a, his, his um, hierarchy here is, it is, it is true. It's something that um, as you look at it, the first was uh, the basic need of comfort, um, housing, you know, staying warm, things like that. So that's the basic thing. Then we move up to the next. We have that in place. Then we have to need, have the idea of feeling safe. So if you don't feel safe, if you're always in threat, somebody's threatening your life or you're, you know, you're in fear of um, armies and turmoil and things like that, well, you, you can't progress to the next level because you're just trying to survive. Well, then after you feel safe, then you have the feeling uh, loved and belonging. If you don't feel safe, it's hard to feel loved. <laughs> so the next, safe, next is feeling loved and belonging to something or to a group, or you know, to a to a town, and the third one is um, self-esteem. Feel good about self, talents, and rewards. So then we're starting to um, develop our talents, and you know, we're we're now progressing. We've got food. We've got safety. We're we're part of a family. We're part of a group. Now we start developing our talents. After you're going to school, <laughs> why are you going to school to develop? You know, to learn things. Well, some of the things you don't, some of the things you learn in school, you'll never need in, 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 uh, in life, but you don't know until you get to life what ones you're going to need, so you get a, a broad base. So anyhow, there is this sense of being, using your talents and uh, feeling good and uh, rewards. And then the top one is self-actualization. Self-actualization is living up to your potential. Filling, fulfill, being fulfilled in what you've been called to do, we call it called to do, fill, being fulfilled in what you do in your life. So that's Maslow's period, uh, Madloff's pyramid. Now, I'm not going to try and disprove it. <laughs> I'm, what I'm looking at is how that in Christ, all of these things are fulfilled. In Christ, now, we find that... Um, well, in the basic, we have the physical need. You know, the bottom one is the, the basic needs of water, comfort, things like that. It's maintaining a consistent level of that. Now, in the dry, in the dry seasons in El Salvador, um, the, the people, their average income is maybe $350 a year. <laughs> and, and they have to be really stretching it to get that. And then in the dry season, they'll spend at least half of that buying water that is contaminated that'll kill them. That people pump it out of the rivers that are still have water in and bringing it up to these rural communities and they will sell it. So it's, you know, that basic need of being able to feel uh, that something is going well and that your basic needs of food and water are going to be met. Well, we find that 
Philippians 4.19, Paul says that to the church at Philippi, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, we would think, well, what's going on in this royal community? One of the, one of the only organizations in a royal community is the church. <laughs> and, you know, it can be many different kinds of churches, but it's basically a church, and some of them are uh, very uh, charismatic, uh, very um, flamboyant in their worship and in their songs. Uh, the, the individual that um, is the, the, the son of the individual that started Cent um, Central American Child Care back 50 years ago that we supported well, that missionary's son is the one that David is working with in El Salvador. And they've now expanded to these other countries. And so what they did was they went into these rural communities where there was no food, basically no food, no education. And so they started to take, they, they put aside a building and, and brought the kids in, fed them, taught them until they had to go work. Until they had to go to work. And that might be fifth or sixth grade. And so that was the beginning of what uh, David is now doing, because you go to those communities, and m many of them have had some form of education. But now they need food, they need housing, and they need something like that. So you imagine in those churches that these people were praying. They would be praying that God would supply their needs. Now, if you're in a, in a you know, for us... <laughs> We, we, want to go, we want food to go to the grocery store. You know, you know we just, we're kind of overloaded with things. But, when you, but we have places for those needs to be met. We have places for us to be able to go and find that our needs are supplied. So those individuals would have had to have faith to believe that somehow God was going to meet their need. And if it hadn't been met for years, they didn't give up because along comes this in Lasse organization that David works with to help them meet those needs. And it's because of the prayers of those people in those communities. So, my God shall supply all of your needs. So, to begin with, what is our basic need? Our basic need, and we see it in our relationship with Christ, come home running. It's the need for us to be forgiven. It's the need for us to let go of our past, to recognize that God is and has a plan for us. So my God will supply all your needs. What is your need? God is there to help meet that need and supply it. Sometimes he will use you, and sometimes it will be by a miraculous intervention. But we have that faith. Second is safety. Once people feel this, their basic needs are in place, they, they, they have to have this sense of being safe. They have to have this sense of <laughs> nobody's going to come in and kill them. Um, there's a lot of stories I could use about that, but we know that in third world countries and things, you know, one of the greatest problems in these smaller and these Central American countries is gangs. Gangs own communities. <laughs> and the, um, the gang that was in you know, it was, um, well, it's an El Salvadorian gang. 
And this gang is notorious, notorious for their brutality. And what happened was it started because El Salvador is the lowest on the pecking order of all the Central American countries. So other countries and other nationalities, they would, you know, they would rob the El Salvadorians. So the El Salvadorians created their own defense. So they created these gangs. Well, now they're far beyond taking care of just and watching over their native individuals. They've branched out into other things. But whenever um, David spoke about, and I wasn't planning on using all of this on, uh, with David and, and his mission, his work in El Salvador, but he talked about this pastor who, um, this person who was a gang member, that he won them to Christ. The pastor, you know, gave his life to Christ and wanted out of the gang. Well, the gang killed the preacher and the, the gang member. <laughs> so here, David and his other missionaries are going into these communities. So what they do is they go to the gang leaders in that community and talk to them. That's their first place, because you have to feel safe before you can go on. So he will talk to them and get permission to, t and he will tell them what they're going to do in their community. And they are not there to uh, overthrow the gang. They are there to meet the needs of their families and their children and their parents. And so that the people can feel safe before they can move on. What do I, I know my favorite uh, song is Safe in the Arms of My Father. That we're always safe in the hands of God. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So we find that in our faith, we are safe. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. I'm safe. So the feeling of safety doesn't come from a feeling that we've signed a contract with the gang and they're not going to beat us up. The feeling of safety comes from our knowledge that God is our Savior and nothing can separate us from him, even if I die. Even if I get sick, even if I have problems, I'm still safe. God's in charge. Love and belonging is the next one. According to Maslow, the next need of hierarchy involves feeling loved and accepted. That's a good thing. I mean, who doesn't want to feel loved and accepted? But one of the things we notice in each of these categories is feelings. I'm not going to sing for you. Feelings. No. And I'm going like this, you know. <laughs> feelings. You know, we, but you see, feelings are betray. They betray us. You get up and it's a cloudy day. I don't feel so good. Well, how do you feel today? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't started. Well... <laughs> You know, feelings are, they can betray us. So what do we have to do? We have facts. <laughs> facts are the things we build our life upon. So our foundation is Jesus Christ. So whether I feel it or not, I'm safe. So feeling loved and belonging. Now, sometimes, sometimes people don't feel loved in their families. Or sometimes it's because they're not, and sometimes it's just because they don't feel it. Sometimes it's whatever. Uh, because... <laughs> I'm not loved because you won't let me do what I want to do. Okay? Um, 
We'll talk about that later. But <laughs> you can't always do what you want to do because sometimes somebody has to have boundaries. All right? Now, I always told, uh, told our daughter, I said, you can, you can go any college you want to go to in the whole country as long as they have boundaries. <laughs> they got to have rules. <laughs> they didn't work anyhow. But anyhow... <laughs> we find that we try to establish structure. We try to establish boundaries because you can't steal, kill, destroy. You, can't, you don't want to be involved in the sins of our society no matter what you feel. So be, belonging, belonging, <laughs> we are the body of Christ. He loved you enough to die for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. <laughs> you are members of the body of Christ. You belong. Doesn't matter if you, you're, you're alone or doesn't matter. You belong to the body of Christ. He loves you enough to die for you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. See? So the principles of Maslow's pyramid are, are correct in, in many respects, but we find that in our faith, every one of these pyramids or these levels are met through Jesus Christ and his word and understanding it in our heart. The next one is esteem. Now, if you wonder where esteem is, esteem's up here. <laughs> it's next to the top. Esteem. Esteem. All right. Self-esteem. Oh, self-esteem. You know, sometimes people have the wrong interpretation of self. Uh, that I got to be me. Oh, that guy sang that one. Don't sing that one either? Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, I got to be me, you know. Whatever I go, whatever I do, I just got to be me to self-esteem and belong and, you know, I'm whatever. Um, anyhow, our esteem needs involve the desire to feel good, about ourselves. Feel good. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning and said, boy, you really look good? I just get so happy looking at you. You know, I feel so good looking at that person. <laughs> and no. But anyhow, according to Maslow, Esteem needs include two components. The first one is feeling self-confident and feeling good about ourselves. Now, that's not a bad thing. Self-confidence. You can't get anywhere being a measly mouse the doormat. See, sometimes people say that Christians, they're, they, they, they're doormats, and people just walk all over them because you're not allowed. No, Jesus wasn't a doormat. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, you know, when people tried to walk on him, <laughs> they didn't. And when they crucified him, oh, they, they crucified, they killed him. They did that because it was his time and he permitted them. Jesus was not, his life, the life of Jesus was not taken. The life of Jesus was submitted. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He was in charge right up until his last breath. You see, Jesus wasn't defeated. Jesus came to defeat sin. Jesus came to defeat all those things that would rob us 
of seeing ourselves as a child of God. God created you. While you were yet in your mother's womb, he created you, called you. He put inside of you everything you're going to need for your life. And what happens to it? We start watching advertisements. We start seeing successful. We start seeing images of what success looks like. We don't measure up. That's not God's picture. So, esteem. Feeling self-confident. Now, Philippians 4.13. Self-confidence, I believe, is this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's the challenge? How can I... How can I challenge, how can I do this? I can do all things through Christ. You see, my dependency is not upon my abilities. I want to be a professional football player. (laughs) Fat chance. (laughs) And because too old, my head is not hard enough. (laughs) Well, maybe sometimes it's hard enough. But anyhow... We have, we, we can't be there. I can't, what is the, th- all things that God has presented, pre- all the things that life has presented in front of you, God has given us the ability to do all things. Hmm. The second component involves feeling valued. Hebrews 13.5, uh, verse, the second part of it in verse 6. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We say with confidence, the Lord is my help. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Feeling valued. They can't harm me. People will try to eat away, destroy, pick at, destroy your value. Your value isn't what people think of you. Your value isn't what your father says of you. And our heavenly father has nothing but good to say about us. What else does um, uh, Maslow say? Um, Feeling that our achievements and contributions have been recognized by other people. We work not for the approval of people, but for the approval of God. God is the one who's going to say, well done, thou faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. God is the one who's going to give us our rewards, not people. Now, it doesn't mean we should... you know, slouch off and do nothing, that we should try to do our best. No, we need to try and do our best. We need to, you know, to work hard. And, you know, it doesn't mean we have to um, obsess over every little thing, but it means that we need to look at things and do a good job, do it well. Get good grades. (laughs) Work hard. Study. You know? We'll go on. When people esteem needs are met, they feel confident and see their contributions and achievements as valuable. When people feel confident about what they do, you know, being confident is doing our part to make it work. You know, I, I, you know, I prepare these messages. Yeah, this week I filed my sermons for the past six years. And I have them in order by book. <laughs> I was the Bible. And I found out what books I preach from the most. <laughs> but anyhow, I got them all together. And the stack is about that high. Because <laughs> I write every one. And I, I think I've only pulled one out of the pile once or twice. 
Well, uh, but, you know, but I try to write something every, every week. And the understanding is, if it's fresh for me, it's going to be fresh for you. It isn't something I pull out and say, oh, look at this. I notice that I have spoken on the same text a few times, <laughs> but it's always different than before. But so you see, for all must appear, verses 2 Corinthians 5.10, valuable and important. All must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense or reward for what has been done in their body. So God is the one who's going to give us our final rewards. God is the one who's going to take care of us. So we find in self-actualization. Self-actualization refers to feeling... There again, feeling. Feeling that we are fulfilled, that we're living up to our potential, that, you know, this, this is the best that I could be and the greatest that I could ever become. Well, let's see now. I've been at this for 52 years, and if I've had one convert for every year of ministry, there should be 52 people here at least. I know some of you count for two, <laughs> because you, know, you count me once, count me twice, you know, all right. But anyhow, no, it's, it's fulfilling the plan of God and the purpose that God has for our life. It isn't in numbers and it isn't in education, but we need education. You see, there's, there are things that we need and they, and they are imp- important and part of who we are, but we find that the greatest need is to fulfill the will of God in our life. John 15, 16, you did not choose me. I chose you. God chose you. There wasn't something wrong with his sight. There wasn't something wrong with his knowledge. He chose you because he knows you. And he has a plan for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Anytime you are in self-doubt, God isn't. God never doubted you. He doesn't doubt what you can do. He says, I can, I can work in you. I can work through you. So, and, and, and Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I have towards you. Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of turmoil, not of evil. And I want to give you an expected end. You see, there are so many things. Now, when we go through life, I found this, Rhonda found this this week. I have $500 here, $500 from Zimbabwe. Do you know how much it's worth? Two bucks, maybe. (laughs) Two dollars. $500 in Zimbabwe. But you see, a hamburger in Zimbabwe is probably $5,000. Because they bankrupt the country (laughs) and just massively... uh, print money. There's, there's nothing to back it up. You see, when we go through life and we, pr- we appear before God, we're going to look at all the things that we've done and we're going to say, God, look at all that I've done. There's $500 here. <laughs> and God says, well, what have you done for me? Oh, what is the value of you? You see, in our society and in Maslow here, Maslow, he, he has a very inflated part, and, and it's all about life now, here and now, life about my self-esteem, my accomplishments, my 
pecking order, you know, how I've accomplished and have I reached my fullest potential and I'm the, I'm the greatest, you know, on the face of the earth and my self-esteem and everything's way at the top. Okay. When you die and appear before God, what's this worth? <laughs> it's not worth what it's printed on. If we haven't lived for Christ, and you see, living for Christ doesn't mean we're going to Africa, doesn't mean we're going to Central America. It means that we've taken what God has given us and we've asked God to bless it. Just like we took of communion. We asked God to bless that wafer and we asked God to bless that juice. Well, what did it mean? It meant to us what Jesus said it meant. This is my body and this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As we live our life, we have a life to live with Christ. And you see, here, I, 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 I found this too. I got one million dollars here. One million, it says. But it also says non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah, you thought I was rich. $500, a million dollars, you know, non-negotiable. Not worth what it's written on. You see, God has given us enough to understand that we have to eat and stay alive and we have to meet the basic human needs. God has given us safety. Christ has forgiven us. We're safe in the arms of our Father. God loved us from the very beginning. God so loved the world. He gave us. He gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Esteem, I can do all things through Christ. God will reward us according to what we've done for him. Self-actualization, <laughs> it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And I wanted to, and I asked Glenda and Terry, Tabby, <laughs> Ter Tabby to come. And, you know, we, we sing the, the song Amazing Grace. Did you know the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, his name was John Newton, and he wrote it in 1772? Do you know what his occupation was? He was a slave trader. <laughs> he, was, he had a ship full of slaves. And off the coast of Ireland, it ran into a great storm. And people on deck were washed over. And he prayed that God would save him. And that his ship would not wreck. And... After, he, he considers that his conversion moment. Because here is a man who would maybe fit on Maslow, Maslow's chart of need, safe, feeling, feeling loved and belonged. He had the ship. He had all of his things. He was selling slaves. He was doing all the things that in his society, in his time, perhaps he thought of himself as achieving a great, a great achievement. But he found out that it was all wrong. And it was afterwards. He, as he gave his life to Christ, he became a pastor and a missionary, and he fought against slave trade in Europe. But one of the things he wrote was, 
Amazing Grace. And the critics say about Amazing Grace, it's too simple. It's too simple. But we find that the first words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, grace and mercy of God, that saved a wretch like me, he knew who he was. He was a sinner. I was once lost, but I'm found. I was blind to this whole thing of life, but now I see. Slave trader, converted. And did he go through all those basic levels of need? No, he found that he was, he was needing Christ in his worst of moments, and he found him. So we're going to sing Amazing Grace. with us and he'll help us. He'll give us strength for each day and that when we stand before God it's not going to be a worthless life but all that we've done for Christ will last. And that means doing our everyday life loving God allowing his spirit to work through us to touch the lives of others. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for the communion. That God, we ask your blessing upon that bread and upon the juice. God, it still was bread and juice, but it meant something different because your blessing was on it. And God, we ask your blessing on our life. And we know our life will mean something different because your blessing is upon it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Ha, ha, ha.